1: Welcome everybody. It's time for your woke bros. I am your illustrious co-host, Michael Jamal Brooks, along with my partner in crime, my good friend Big Waz, Wasny Lambre, Whoa Whoa, the Haitian Sensation, blah 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 blah. Waz, how you doing brother?
2: I'm good man. How are you <laughs> chilling? Buddy.
1: I'm doing well, man. I'm a little I'm a little I'm a little lacking sleep, but you know, what are you going to do? We all good? Aren't we all? Life is good. Uh, of course, we're guided by mega producer Rob Lopez, the evil genius Jade Hoy behind it all on this week. We got a ton to get to. But first, I can't. I'm not going to be promoting the Philly show because it's sold out. Ah, let's go. What? <laughs> That's Was, fantastic. Congrats, tell man. Us. Us. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Give us some announcements, man.
2: Uh, yeah, man. CinePhobe podcast with Amin El Hassan and Zach Harper, where they review your favorite bad, good movies, um, is now in front of the paywall. Uh, you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your podcast. CinePhobe with Amin El Hassan and Zach Harper. They review really bad movies in a fun, you know, smart way, the usual Count the Dings way. Um, Mariano is back um, with the. M-O-R-E pod. That'll be for Patreon subscribers um, only. If you're not a Patreon, you should subscribe now. We have incredible content here at Count the Dings behind the paywall. Uh, It's exclusive. It's more uh, intimate. It's some of the best shit that we do. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the Count the Dings Patreon. And as well, we have the Dad Pod uh, now being in front of the paywall. It used to be a Patreon-only show. Go subscribe to the Dad Pod on iTunes, um, Stitcher, Google, wherever you get your your, your, your podcast, make sure you subscribe ASAP. Mike, what we got on the show today?
1: Uh, we've got to talk about Elizabeth Warren. We're going very politics heavy this week, as we usually do. But this one is just a just pretty raw, uncut politics. Elizabeth Warren. Oh, my God. Well, I mean. <laughs> she got it together on healthcare, but she got it together on healthcare in a terrible way. Uh, Pete Buttigieg is firmly, firmly in first place for my absolutely least favorite person running in the Democratic primary. What an awful dude. We'll talk about that. And then we're going to touch a little bit on the impeachment process, whether or not it's resonating or not. And then, of course, we're going to give you some recommendations in the crates. But let's start with Elizabeth Warren on uh, healthcare, her Medicare for All position. I certainly have a lot of thoughts on it. Many of you might have already seen my rant on TMBS or my review of Embarrassing when I was a guest on TYT with the great Anna Kasparian last week. But Waz, get us started, man. What do you think? Look, man,
2: uh, it's obvious to me that Warren has very early on benefited and I think in a way that is it's weird she's gotten to play both sides of the fence right like she's gotten to be she's gotten to be cast as part of the quote unquote radical left in the Democratic Party while also trying to you know portray herself as you know the reasonable radical you know what I'm saying like she's 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 been able to and quite skillfully uh, I, I, I can't, you know, I might call it skillful. Some people might call it cynically, whatever. However you want to frame it, um, she's been able to quite skillfully toe that line, right? Where she gets to brush up against Bernie, where you see they're friending each other during the debates and sort of forming a tag team. But at the same time, being like, I'm a proud capitalist. I think capitalism works. I just think we need to rein it in a little bit. Blah, 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 blah. So when you saw... But what I but what I love, Mike, the most is, you know, she tried to kind of cut and run on Medicare for all. And she got buried for it. Like the, she got buried for it. Like you're either in it. You're either in this fight or you're not. Um, there, There's no two ways about it. Like you see what Mayor Pete's doing. You see what, you know, the Tulsi Gabbards of the world are doing. Like, obviously, Joe Biden, who's just like, let's make Obamacare that nobody actually loves. Better, like it, you know. You see what their their approach has been. It's either that or what Bernie's talking about. There's no in between there, and it's felt like Elizabeth Warren was trying to toe that line, and she got burned for it, and she clumsily came back into order, which I'm very happy to see. Um, I didn't get a chance to see your rant on T M B S, but if you could give us a woke bros version, my, uh, <laughs> where are you? Where are you at with that?
1: I mean, here's my thing, right? I, I, I agree with everything you just said, um, but I have a big problem. With, I mean, look, first of all, we just had another debate. This was, by the way, the worst debate we've had yet on um, MSNBC, and which says a lot. I was – everybody up there, uh, Rachel Maddow and so on, should be embarrassed. They did absolutely horrible, terrible, embarrassing jobs. I mean, you're talking about a debate. Where, first of all, again, they ice out and ignore Bernie Sanders, even though he's a main candidate. And, of course, the just disgusting bias against him by these people is baked into the cake. But they also, I mean, this is a debate where there's no conversation about Bolivia. There's barely any conversation about climate change. There's no conversation about, you know, literally countless vital topics. And they ask whether or not it's appropriate to say lock him up to Trump. Uh, at a baseball field, it's just—I mean, honestly, maybe I overuse the word, but embarrassing is the only word I can summon. And so you have this dynamic where Bernie Sanders is a leader on healthcare. He's the reason. The, the, part of the reason is because conditions are so bad, in, in you know, in, in capitalism and in in income inequality, and there's so much injustice and suffering. But then it's also leadership and the leadership is Bernie Sanders. He put this issue on the table. Nobody's having a conversation about single payer Medicare for all without Bernie Sanders leadership. And like as Nina Turner would say, that's it and that's all. And my attack, I mean look, Elizabeth Warren has come out and she said she's gonna push for two different bills. One bill in her first year, which would be a big expansion of Medicaid, It would lower drug costs. It would get a bunch of new people on health care. And then in her no later than her third year, she will push for uh, the completion of a Medicare for all system. And one, I just have two things to say about this, right? One is I'll start with the with the with the negative, which is that's fucking insane. And if Elizabeth Warren and her people actually sincerely believe they can push through two major healthcare bills including one right. after the midterm elections and when she right. would be facing re-election
2: re-election is i right. mean
1: honestly like to say that they're being cynical and dishonest would be the best thing i could say from my perspective because if they actually believe this then they're they sl- are there's just crazy delusional and running them against trump is fundamentally dangerous and insane then the other but and then the other thing that really gets me is like I think part of it is just this culture of really overthinking everything and therefore really seriously fucking things up. Because honestly, like she could have a just said, uh, you know, come out with the first part of her plan from the beginning and just been like the truth, which is like, look, Bernie's the left wing progressive structural reform candidate. You got Bernie if you want for real change. But I'm. No, seriously, though, some people don't. I mean, I, look, it's it's like her student loan thing. It's like, you know, it would help a lot of people. It wouldn't get rid of all student loans and deal with the system, but it would help right. a lot of people. So yeah. why can't she just come out and say, you know, here is a more limited plan. It's not the Bernie plan. It's not what I co-sponsored. So I have to explain why I co-sponsored something I'm backing away from. However, You obviously could trust me more on this than a Joe Biden or a Pete Buttigieg or any of these other horror shows that are running, and I think I could get it done, okay? Or, or conversely, she could do the other argument of her campaign, which is, I support Bernie's bill. I understand that economically and morally we need single payer health care. Obviously, it's going to be one legislative push, and it's going to require everything, but like you know, I'm the one to do it, not Bernie. And then, you know, we get into a whole set of arguments, which look, I have no time for a lot of people, you know, seem to think that she's got some secret magical briefing book or something. I don't believe in any of that, but that at the very least would fit with the strategic argument of her campaign. Instead, what she does is produce the worst of both worlds. And this is, you know, and, and, There's a pattern here too, and I hope people can hear this because I know obviously I'm such an unapologetic Bernie supporter, but like the more you look at these moves that she – made, like she does very well when she's getting easy press coverage and everybody's praising her all the time, which is how it was for several months. It was all like – doesn't she have all these? Well, plans?
2: that's not fair. I think um when she when she when she rolled out the the, the Native American video, well, she got
1: creeped for that. Well that was <laughs> but that's my point actually. No, but that's my point, actually, right? Because that basically my point is is that when she like when she feels pressure of any kind, she fucks up. Sure. When when You know, even the Native American thing, she got it goaded into it by Donald Trump. And the last couple and, and now this healthcare thing has been a problem. So first she put out a funding plan, which is actually part of it is regressive, but she wanted to do it so she could still like pretend that, you know, her tax pledge would work with it. Now she's put out this two step fantasy, which is just pure fantasy. And so, you know, to me, it's like. There's a political concern now because, you know, again, number one priority right now was nominate Bernie Sanders. But the second priority is absolutely defeat Donald Trump. And I'm concerned that- If she got the nomination, she wouldn't be up for it. Yeah. And I think, again, it's so reflective because there's so many people in in the liberal professional wing of the Democratic Party that- they, they only have two modes. With the, I've, t- I've said it a million times, but it's either like the rest of the country are all just, you know, racist and stupid and sexist and, you know, mm-hmm. fuck them. Or else it's like, oh, I love Elizabeth Warren. Everybody else will love her, too. You know, okay, or so I, so I love the judge. And it's like, no, no, no. no. And sure. by the way, I say that as somebody I'm confident. In, I'm, the last thing I'll say, I'm confident in Bernie's general election prospects Me because too. of how he rates and swings. Because he's real and he's real, but by the way, but if you showed me a poll, or you, you know, not just an assertion, because most of the stuff is assertion, but it's like, no, I I do think to myself, I'm like, you know what, will anti-Semitism be a place, a problem in certain areas? Will there be some people that don't like the word socialist? Absolutely, now I think it still works for him, but I'm willing to have a realistic conversation. And ironically around, you know, Warren and Buttigieg and, you know, and and definitely Biden it's just it's just assertion and bullshit you
2: know uh, man it, the the problem the problem with warren and his healthcare situation is emblematic of it is that her her supporters the tension is is that her supporters are the most comfortable people in the party meaning right. it is overly educated you know what i'm saying upper middle class like liberals, right? Like who in theory like all the ideas that Bernie espouses, right? But these same – like all the people who consider themselves to be academic and overly educated and this and this and that and the third, they just fundamentally recoil at the idea of quote-unquote extreme, right? I, it's not that Bernie mm-hmm. doesn't have good ideas. It's that – it's extreme to go from the trash that we have now to greatness. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Like, it's, for whatever reason, they just recoil at, you know, the, just the idea that they're doing something, quote unquote, extreme. Um, yeah. Warren's plan, to my mind, it's like, because, w- w- <laughs> you know, there's certain policy things where there actually are gives and takes and sacrifices, like real sacrifices need to be made. And like, you know, you decide on like, say, a cutoff point for uh, a student loan forgiveness as far as salary and this, this, that and the third. And, you know, those people right at the cutoff point get hurt or whatever. Like there's (laughs) there's sacrifices that have to be made. Right. But I feel like Warren's biggest supporters never actually want to make them. Um, and so that's why you see she comes out and she has to kowtow because I don't think that I really don't think there's any constituency for Joe Biden's. Let's do nothing. I don't think so. Like, I don't right. think he actually has a constituency for that, specifically on health care. Um, I think the constituents it, constituency exists between Warren's people and, and us, Bernie people. Right. Um, and I just think, like you said, it's corny that she she wants to have the best of both worlds. Like, try to have her cake and eat it too. Like, either you think everybody should have health care tomorrow or you don't. Like, it, it, right. it's not... It, this, it, this stuff is not overly complicated, but I do think there's a large percentage of the party and then... Well, I don't want to say a large, a sizable contingent, contingent. And then, of course, the pundit class and the blue check class. Like, they don't want to just come out and say like Bernie's right about what we should be doing because even those idiots, even though Bernie is, you know, when you conceive of the De- Democratic Party's coalition, like obviously Bernie and his people are in it. They don't. They 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 kind of hold their noses like, oh yeah, yeah. And in theory, <laughs> we should eliminate student loan debt, but ah, I just don't. I just don't understand why Bernie would want to do that right away. Like it's so stupid. I just think Warren, but again, but but and I'm rambling right now. But I think ultimately what I'm trying to say that as bumbling as it was uh, this week and at the debates and all of that stuff, the fact that she knows that she can't do the pussyfoot version of Medicare for All. I find that to be heartening. Call me an optimist. Call me whatever you want. Like, the fact that she can't weasel her way into this shit, I find it great, and I brought it up the other day. Fight for 15 right? Like, this is her $12 an hour shit. And the people were like, no, we're not going to stand for
1: it. You know? Yeah, I mean, except except the whole... I mean, I don't know, man. The whole two-step thing—it just—it just is so ridiculous. I, my, my thing too, though, is I, I also believe, in, and look, I'm somebody. I'm a hundred percent. We need to have single-payer healthcare. That's the only way to protect people's health and well-being. But I also think, like, you know, with regards to the compromise, like, yeah, there, and that is, by the way, why you don't start with a half loaf. Right. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, let's let's talk about compromises when we fucking get
2: there. This is not the time for compromise. Exactly. The Democratic fucking primary is not the time to be compromising our principles and what our aims and goals are. Right now is time to like, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to accomplish. We don't come in with a half-assed pussyfoot. Yeah, we kind of want to dip our toes in the single payer, just one drop at a time. no. That's just a that's just ridiculous tactically. Like, it doesn't make any sense, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like the freaking Republicans, when they're like, we want to eradicate abortion. They don't come in and say, well, we want to start at late term. (laughs) No, no. They come in and say, we want to end the whole fucking shit. Right. And then they get their small wins at. are right, we eliminated. We're eliminating it at um, this many months in this state. And we're like, they don't do that dumb shit that we're talking about right now. Absolutely. And again, and nobody can make and the healthcare specifically, nobody can make the argument for the other side. Even when they do the boogeyman, oh, you're gonna raise taxes on our precious middle class, the middle class American, yeah. the beautiful, precious, perfect middle class American, can't have their taxes touched. They always <laughs> go with that boogeyman, but the math isn't on your side with that argument. Right? And and everybody's slowly starting to learn that. Like, Bernie's never cut and ran from that. It's like, the math's on my side. Even if my taxes go up, all of my other shit, my premiums, everything is going down. So, in the net, I'm getting money back. So, like, you can't even use that boogeyman anymore. So, that's why it's disheartening that, like you said, that Elizabeth Warren would come out and, you know, try to do this pussyfoot version. But, you know, she got (laughs) smacked upside. You ever been smacked upside your head by your mom? Oh. (laughs) <laughs> she got smacked upside the head but it's good to see I, I like to see these people stumble though Mike like I like to see their talking points get let them get hit in the chin you know this shit's supposed to be a fight it's not supposed to be easy for anyone all of these people should be having all hands on deck and coming correct period Absolutely. Man.
1: absolutely and now let's move to somebody I mean look Elizabeth Warren uh, you know, she's she's got her good qualities, yeah. Uh, Pete Buttigieg does not, uh, and so I want to get to this story in like 30 seconds. But first of all, just out of the gate, was like if you had to summarize your impression of Pete Buttigieg, what would that be? Um,
2: uh, he looks like the Boston Celtics coach, Brad Stevens, a little right. Bit. right? That's true. It's just like, um, if you looked up the word yuppie in the in the um dictionary it would be him. It's like the, yuppie. He's a he's a yuppie. He's a clueless yuppie. He's like th- like not, he doesn't understand like un like real regular people, people who didn't go to Harvard, people who don't come from money, people who, you know what I mean, like he's just a yuppie. He's just a yuppie. I was wa- you know it's so funny um this will um, encapsulate it perfectly for you, uh, Mike. I don't know if you ever watched the show Married with Children at all.
1: A little bit, yeah.
2: Anyway, Jed um, reminds me of Marcy and Darcy, right? Like, there's Peg <laughs> and Al Bundy, like, the right. real, like, down-home, real Americans. Like, you know, I guess they were portrayed on the show as white trash, whatever. And then there was Marcy and Darcy, the fucking yuppie neighbors who would, like, just their head in the clouds, Head up their asses. That's that's who Pete Buttigieg is to me.
1: No, I like that. And so, Pete Buttigieg, I, I don't know. I, it's just so crazy. He's polling well in Iowa. I think if people s- sat back for five seconds and realized, like, a thirty-something college town mayor with, you know, actually a really horrible record on race and policing and gentrification and a background at McKinsey is. The just the opposite of what we need. I mean, that, look, the o- literally the only positive thing that could be said about this guy is obviously the historical nature of the first openly gay man running, you know, for president um, a, as a front runner. But his record, his ideology is just totally toxic. And, you know, that also reflects uh, in the, you know, he has very little to no support in the African American community. Now, There is, like, you know, there's there's kind of three quick components of this. I mean, one, sure, somebody maybe, you know, has to have a national profile. They need to introduce themselves to every single demographic in the Democratic Party, right? And so, okay, um, I'm a small-town mayor. I'm not a national figure like Biden or Bernie or Harris or Warren or Booker, whatever. Sure. Then there's the— Prevalent reason, in my view, why he does so poorly, which is that to the extent he has a record, it involves racism and policing issues It involves him helping racist cops fire uh, the first black police chief of South Bend. I mean, it's a horrible story Uh, and being systemically uninterested in addressing the serious crisis that exists in South Bend. I mean, it's like. Small city and LAPD type problems, right? Uh, and and then horribly and disgustingly, look if if the campaign wants to go out and say, you know, Mayor Pete needs to go out there and and you know get more folks to know him across the board. Okay, that's fair, right? That's that's what everybody's going to say about their candidate, you know. But they've implied that oh. Black voters aren't into Pete because he's gay, which is essentialist, it's racist, it doesn't make all of the distinctions that we are. That's a
0: ridiculous statement, bro.
1: Ridiculous. <laughs> and it's not even and they always <laughs> every time they make that argument, they hang their hat on the gay marriage referendum in California in 2009 when what? everything is cha- I mean first of all And also the way marriage equality happened in in Maryland was basically fueled by black voters. Black voters in the Democratic (laughs) primary have exactly the same attitudes. Maybe in South Carolina it's a a little different, but that's a regional and age thing, not a race thing. And so you have this asshole with this (laughs) horrifying record in South Bend and you've got people around him implying it's because Black people are homophobic. And that all leads us to uh, the final thing, which is that Mayor Pete Buttigieg has released a plan, a civil rights plan called the Frederick Douglass Plan. And it deals with housing, public health care, racial discrimination, and it is... It is called The the Douglas Plan, A Comprehensive Investment in the Empowerment of Black America. Now, according to reporting from my friend Ryan Grimm at The Intercept, there was a list of several of 400 South Carolinians that endorsed this bill, that endorsed this proposal, right? Now, several people that were included on the list have said outright that they do not endorse Pete Buttigieg, that they were put on the list making it seem as if they are endorsing him, even though they are not. Mm. Some of them uh, basically said, yes, I responded to sort of like being open to having a conversation with him in the campaign, but not necessarily to support him. And so I'm going to quote now from uh, uh, from a representative uh, Thigpen who is a, a state rep in South Carolina, who's actually already endorsed Bernie Sanders. And they said, um, let's see, how it was rolled out was not an accurate representation of where I stand. I didn't know about its rollout. Somebody brought it to my attention, and it was alarming to me. Because even though I had a conversation with the campaign, it was clear to me, at least I thought it was clear to them, that I was a strong Bernie Sanders supporter, actually co-chair of the state. And I was not seeking to endorse their candidate or their plan. But what I had talked about was potentially giving them a quote in support of continuing conversation because I do think it's a very important conversation. So it looks like basically what they did was do things like that where somebody said, hey, you know, I'm willing to have a a conversation on this on the merits because – Obviously, this is a really important policy area, and then apparently some of the other ones they basically had like an opt out, which is like like hey, was I'm going to send you this email, and if you don't get back to me in ten hours, you're endorsing my plan. <laughs> you, you know. So this so is fu- what they did. And by the way, I just have to say he's gotten barely any shit for this. That's like and and it's just fucking stunning. I mean, could you imagine if Bernie Sanders did that,
2: bro? the problem is so uh, it, oh my god it, it, the the idea that you would roll this out and your big players black people co-signing it it's like it, it like it's it just shows how stupid the whole exercise is like you can just put out a plan say like Bernie Sanders and Medicare for all and See if black people fuck with it. <laughs> like it's that simple. This idea that you know you workshop some plan with a bunch of black people that we know you don't know because you're Pete fucking Buddha judge. Um, <laughs> like it's crazy. That like it, it's just a crazy idea. If, like I don't even, <laughs> man. Like it's like if I was trying to go into Utah, and I I, I came up with a plan and I said, yo. Um, I know I'm from Queens and shit, but, you know, they got these, like, evangelist Mormon dudes that all have the black pants and the white shirt and the tie. I got two of them to sign off on this. They're Mormon. Y'all should fuck with me. (laughs) Like, people would be like, wait, wait, what? Huh? What are you talking about? Like, if you knew what we cared about, you wouldn't come in with this preamble of, I got a plan for black people and these black South Carolinians signed off. It's so... Obviously cynical, right? Because South Carolina is known as the black primary for Democrats, right? Like, right. so we get the signaling that you're trying to do by saying it was people from South Carolina. It's so obvious and dumb. Like, how can you be this bad? And then the other shit, his little commercial where he's like, we're gonna put together a free college plan where rich people's kids don't get to enjoy it. It's just like, yo, like, <laughs> like the assumption of stupidity on the part of the potential voter is kind of staggering to me, right? Um, on the one hand, it's like, and this is This is his whole game plan. It's like, it's basically like, I think the voters are dumb and I can just hand them the simple shit and they can't see right through it. Uh, this idea that like, do rich people not get to use the free roads? Like, do rich people not? Like, and, and also the idea being like, there's so many less of them than the people that actually needed this, this quote unquote, like glitch, I guess you would call it in the system. Like it's not, like the, the concept that you wouldn't want this because rich people's kids got to go to public school for free. Like, I don't even know why you would try to make that sell Mike. Like I And, mean, and also yeah. if, uh, sorry, uh, just one no, more no, thing. No. Also, if, if I'm even kind of decent at math, and I know that college costs about 40 Gs a year. Um, I can do the math and know 40 Gs ain't shit. Two or three millionaire or two million. Like, it's just not shit to them, especially dude, dude. when you consider the, the education the other, of
1: their kids. I'm just gonna, I mean, Kamala Harris said the other day that I'm not gonna help the Trump kids pay off their student debts. Like, who the fuck, like, Seriously? You think they have student debts? Like I just I just think like I don't know, man, the the cravenness and the dishonesty of these corporate center right Democrats like Pete Buttigieg, like that that free college thing is such a perfect example of that, right? Because it's like, look, number one, over ninety percent of these fucking people are still gonna pay money to send their kids to Harvard or Yale or Princeton or whatever, right? Right, right,
2: that. Then, okay,
1: (laughs) (laughs) God forbid, a a tiny, okay, say 1%, it wouldn't even be this high, goes to a public university for free. Well, A, they're going to be paying for it in other ways because we're actually going to do something serious about taxes and Wall Street speculation, which I love how people like Pete Buttigieg, they don't want to do anything to restrain corporate power, it just happens to be in the one area when it might actually help everybody's kids get a good college education. Right. And if you actually did have the children of oligarchs going to these colleges, that would be good for society. That might mean that would increase the likelihood that they might actually run into somebody who's who's you know who are who are immigrant uh, families, right, or who's you know parents worked service sector jobs or whatever. Right. Like way more likely that you might actually encounter and at least get out of that incredible bubble, like one percent at a state public university than in an Ivy League college. So that would also have a huge social benefit. So, I mean, I don't know, man, I Pete Buttigieg is like he's probably the most cynical person in the race. And when I look at it, again, with just the one exception that obviously when I talk to some people, you know, particularly gay men specifically who don't even like him, they'll say like, yeah, it's pretty amazing to me to, you know, given the history and reality, obviously to see an openly gay man being a contender, that feels good. And of course. But with that one clear, but, and of course, that's this, but that same, obviously, that's like, that's why Harris running is really important. You know what I mean? That's why even, you know, I mean, but that's also, but like, at the same time, fuck, like, it's about policy. It has to be about policy at the end of the day, at least for the vast majority of people that are going to be living under the consequences of this. And just seeing that campaign that already has these problems, Still coming out with that level of cynicism is <laughs> wild. But you wild. know, and
2: it, it's early enough. He's still polling well. I just don't think this guy's gonna last. Um, I just, I, not that he's not gonna last. I think he's so paper thin. Everything is so surface level. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's so, he's, people are gonna see through this shit. I really feel like they're not going to. In white as fuck, Iowa. <laughs> let's 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 please. Like I, I, a lot of times when you're watching the news, like Iowa is kind of a euphemism, right? When they say will such and such play in Iowa, they mean will such and such play with extremely white people. People who live in extreme white isolation, right? (laughs) Like, that's essentially what they're saying. So, like, all right, cool. I'm sure he'll do well in Iowa. And I get – and I don't know why people place such a huge importance on Iowa. Like, I don't know why this thing is so, like, powerful in people's minds. And that's fine. But I don't think over the long haul when he has to go to different states with different demographics and he has to endure some, like, actual attacks – Uh, I think he's going to get his ass kicked. I just do, man.
1: I love it. All right, so let's get to our final topic, which is impeachment. The process is happening. And, you know, there's some people that were very uh, impeachment skeptical. They said, you know, it would basically just end up helping Donald Trump. The kind of initial polls and initial reaction don't really – the first wave doesn't bear that out. I don't think it's out. getting helped. I don't. No, think I mean the it. first wave does I mean, there's a new poll that just came out yesterday from Marquette showing voters in Wisconsin, independent voters in Wisconsin, starting to turn against impeachment and move a little bit back towards uh, Trump. I have some thoughts about that, but I think, you know, the the bottom line for me about impeachment is I just love seeing all of these. I mean, it's consuming the energy of all of these disgusting people in the White House. Uh, and obviously Trump doesn't like it. He's throwing little hissy fits and tantrums about it constantly. Uh, but even beyond that, taken off of the merits and, you know, some people don't like it when when we talk about this because they say, you know, look, this is really serious. It should matter or not. But the truth is, is that even for people who are very up on this stuff, obviously think that Donald Trump is, you know, a monstrosity and a threat and everything that the Republican Party represents. I mean, the Republican Party is the greatest threat to life on earth that we have. Right. <laughs> but um, I don't know, man, I'm not watching it too much. Yeah, I, I follow it because of a job, but yeah, it's, it's a not lot of content. content. It's but it's also not really connecting. And I, I have some thoughts as to why, but I mean, you start first, please. I look, I'm, I just want to say first and foremost, I think I'm
2: happy that this is happening for what you, what you said at the top of the segment, when you mentioned it's sucking up all the air um, in the white house, right? Like they're absolutely on the defensive. This is all they can kind of do, right? Like they can't really attack anything else when they have to deal with this thing. And it's doing the job of being visible. Like even if somebody like me, I'm not paying attention every single day, I understand that they're unearthing things. And the bottom line is Mike, like this is your job. Um, fucking United States Congress. Like do your job, present the fucking case to the American people. Cause I'm I, like, I just don't see the downside to it. I like, if there is a downside, I don't think um it even comes close to what could potentially be the upside. Now, you know, Somebody like you and me who views a huge part of the Democratic Party establishment as pretty fucking incompetent and probably don't have what it takes to carry this out in the way that would be most effective. I don't I won't discount that, but I think it's their job to make the fucking case to the American public why this guy is a fucking criminal and should be taken out of office. That being said, man. This shit is a slog, (laughs) okay? (laughs) It's a freaking slog. It's clear, like, this is the beginning of the beginning. This is nowhere close to ending, dude. Like, there's so many people they gotta talk to um, for more, and because, you know, these gutless, you know, unpatriotic Republicans are just so fucking cynical and just so disgusting. They're just playing defense for the president. Uh, just because they like suckling at the power teat. Uh, and, and, you know, that's going to muddy the waters as well. I just think these dudes have to make the case to the people, period. Like, it's your job. You you started this inquiry. They got to see it through at this point. They started. They have to. But, again, me personally, am I locked into every single development? I don't think so. I probably check in every three days, bro.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think that the, the, the concern I have is um – is kind of twofold. I mean, one, because I do think that, um, part of the problem is, is that it, so much of what this comes down to though, like I, I have a problem when the whistleblower, uh, you know, says I saw the president going against us foreign policy. Right. And it's like, look, and I'm, I'm. Please, I'm not talking about Donald Trump. I'm talking about the office and the command structure. The president makes foreign policy. Yeah. So nice. when. So to me, it's like, and this goes back to the very beginning with the Russia obsession, and that's a whole other thing that I think basically everybody got wrong, you know, across the board, both pro and skeptic. Okay, but the bottom line that I'm willing to 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 kind of stay on is. You know, fuck Trump, use what you can against Trump, that's great. But the way most of this process is playing out is definitely an empowerment of already absolutely out of control, military, industrial, intelligence complex, whatever you want to call it. And so what concerns me is like, say you actually do have a a President Sanders who says, you know what, we're actually not going to support a coup in Bolivia. (laughs) Well, you know, that's against, quote unquote, U.S. foreign policy. You know what I mean? There's a lot of. So I have a structural concern now back specifically to Trump, though. I, I think it is tricky in the broader electorate. It might be just the right thing to do anyways, because so much of this stuff is just about getting your people out. And obviously, most people that are voting Democratic across the board, they're all absolutely disgusted by Trump. They want to finally see Democrats taking action. I mean, I think, frankly, for all of some of my skepticism uh, of this process, I think they should have started it way earlier. To be yep. honest, yeah, and been you know way more aggressive. Like I wasn't sure what to think about impeachment until Rashida Talib said, "Impeach the motherfucker," and I was like, "Oh, I support it because that's how you should do it." <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like,
2: and and honestly, but, Mike, yeah, if we yeah, learned anything from twenty sixteen, is that this shit works. OK, <laughs> like it works. It worked on Hillary Clinton, like um, on legitimate things and things like emails and Benghazi and whatever. They kept that lady's name in the fucking news about one bullshit scandal or another. And it worked. That's why everybody was so pissed off about her winning the candidacy on the progressive left, because it's like, bruh, we couldn't come up with something better than this. She has horrible likability. She's this. She's a corporatist. She's kind of shady anyway. Blah, 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 blah. Like, all of this shit, it works. Like, the first thing out of voters' mouths when it came to 2016, we can't trust her. This, this, that, and the third. Like, that's because she stayed in some fucking hearings. She stayed in—like, they kept—the Republicans kept her in some shit. We've seen this shit work. That's why I'm just like, I I, I, I wish it was spicier. I wish it was this spicy. Yeah, but isn't that the problem?
1: But that's that's what I'm worried about on a political level because, again, taking aside like some of it is lies, some about Hillary Clinton, some of it is uh, the truth, whatever. But I think the problem with Donald Trump is you have this weird thing where you've got like, okay, you've got the Republican base. Which overwhelmingly will support Donald Trump no matter what, because there are far right cults and they like this. This is what they want. They want somebody who, you know, is gonna torture children, right? Like that's what they support. <laughs> then I think you have another, then though, and then of course you have, you know, Democrats and liberals, and they hate Trump and they think he's the worst person ever, and blah, blah, blah. We already know that, right? I think to the extent that you have people and honestly, I, I, I wouldn't even call them independents. I think there's people who, some of whom are more conservative and identify as Republicans, but they're not fully gone. Maybe some of whom are independent, some of whom might be progressive and democratic. And they kind of, I think they think two different sets of things, right? One is, okay, yes, Trump is a grotesque, but the whole system is grotesque. And I don't, you know, I don't trust the singular focus on him, Right. And then I think there's another group of people that are definitely more on the left but it's like you know you're it, I don't know how to articulate this but I would just say the contrast between the shit that we know there are literally concentration camps at the border right all of this shit and then a 6 hour hearing which is like you know to be honest, it's like it's not good, but it it is it is in some ways like the least flagrant of the things Trump has done. It's like yeah, he's he's using his office to lean on a political opponent, and yes, that's bad. Okay, sure. And it's like we're sitting and we're listening about this ambassador called this person and that da da da, and it's so fucking convoluted. And meanwhile, the day in and day end day in and day out shit of this guy is a fucking monstrosity. And I just wonder if that's, like... I, I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. I'm not sure how to play yeah, it. I just... No, you know I understand. what I mean? You're yeah. saying,
2: like, uh, the yeah. stuff that he should be in hearings for, um, that people should be, be getting subpoenaed for, is the shit at the border. Like, the stuff about putting um children in cages.
1: Dude, so, his relationship um, with the mafia. His, yeah. His fucking... I mean, I'm just saying, like, there are so... Many – I mean, I don't know how you – I mean, look, you could figure out a way to do it. Over 20 women, maybe more, have accused them of rape. Like, you know, it's like there's just so many things that are there. And then we get these hearings that it's like, good, look, the Republicans lie. The Republicans are going to make like it's nothing. It's not nothing. But it's also like there is a limited attention span for – that kind of shit, and I also think for a fair amount of people who are rightly more cynical about the system, they're less shocked by it than people who've been just like watching the West Wing the last couple of decades or whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I mean?
2: Like, yeah, no, I hear you, but yeah. I just I don't know, man. I think there's a value to to um yeah prosecuting the guy oh like, definitely up. Oh, i agree yeah, I like agree. just straight up like I agree. when a dude has to like you when you watch like some trial on tv right like it doesn't matter what the dude did if he's in like just the fact that you're in a suit they bring you in in handcuffs like you look you, you, you like the bias is implicit there you understand what i'm saying that's why i think it's a good thing it's no, you know it's dirty guerrilla tactics but what the fuck else do we got at this point right like I just think it's good to be tying the guy up I wish it was as spicy as getting your dick sucked in the Oval Office because people were way more in tune to that shit in 98 (laughs) okay people were locked in in 98 for that like locked (laughs) (laughs) like you know what I'm saying I was what shit I was 11 years old Mike and I was locked I was like what dick sucking dick sucking Exactly, so, really? you know, I, I lament that it's not as exciting as 98, but, you know, we move on. Uh, you you, uh, you want to go to crates? Get us
1: started, man. What do you got for us?
2: Yeah, Mike, I just started a book called The History of White People. It's by historian Nell Irvin Painter. Uh, it's just about, you know, <laughs> it's just about how the notion of whiteness got created um, How, you know, through generations and generations, the, the power establishment filtered, you know, more and more white people in through this lens of more and more people, excuse me, in through um this lens of whiteness. Um, I just think it's fascinating to talk about the birth of this country and, you know, who gets to be called white, who gets to be in or who gets to consider themselves as part of the establishment, whether they actually are or not. Um, this is a fascinating read so far. I'm about three-quarters way through. It's fantastic. I would recommend it to anybody. It's an old book. Um, yeah. It came out back in like 2011, 2010, I believe. Um, but it's still resonant, um, especially in the age of Trump.
1: That sounds really good. Uh, I want to read that. I want to recommend to everybody a book. I know you've heard me talk about a lot on TMBS because the author does a weekly segment on, uh, on the show, uh, Ben Burgess. It's this great, I think particularly, I mean, everybody should read it, but maybe if you're in college or even if you just have some like annoying right-wing relative who's listening to some like Ben Shapiro trash or something like that, it's called Give Them an Argument Logic for the Left. And it's actually really, I mean, it's a great book because it debunks a lot of like right-wing arguments and other bullshit, but it also... um all these words get thrown around now, like logic and argument, like you know, all of this stuff, like facts don't care about your feelings, and all of this. Yeah. And it actually the incel is this, internet loves that. We yeah, love that. all exactly. And so what this book is, is it's just a really, really well written and really fun, like basically just education on like, no, like what do these terms actually mean and how can you use them. Uh, you know, to to like, you know, make the case for, you know, healthcare, civil rights, whatever. Um, it's a really good book. Give them an argument, logic for the left by Ben Burgess. I check it out. So, um, all right, folks, that's it uh, for the week. I believe we're actually off next week because of the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, but we will be back in full force the first week of December. I'm actually hoping. That in addition to all of that, we might be able to get Waz in studio for TMBS sometime in December. That's, yeah, I'll be in. I'll be in New on York the from the twenty
2: fourth to the to the second. I have um, a wedding obligation and New Year's Eve plans, but
1: that's it. So perfect. All right, yeah. so we're gonna make that happen, um, everybody. Go check out patreon.com slash TMBS. Become a patron of the show. You get two to one extra content. You get the post games, the illicit histories, all of that stuff. Check out the page. You get a good flavor of the show. We go deep, but it's also really fun. And if you go to the Michael Brooks Show YouTube page, there's a huge amount of content up there right now. And we're actually on the verge of hitting 88,000. Um, and then we get into that last 12K before we for- hit our first 100,000 subscribers. So help us make all that happen. I appreciate that so much. Wise it wouldn't have been possible without uh, great people like you uh, being at our side without a doubt. So patreon.com slash TMBS, Michael Brooks Show on YouTube. What else, Waz? You Anything else we got to revisit? Oh, man. I would just encourage everybody to sub-
2: subscribe to The Athletic. Get your 40% off. Um, They're doing the annual sale right now. Get 40% off. Subscribe to The Athletic. Become a Patreon if you haven't already, man. We appreciate the support. It's what helps fuel all this awesome content that we churn out week after week for you guys. Um And yeah, man, just be on the lookout for everything that Michael Brooks is doing because he's excellent, of course, and everything that we're doing at Count the Dings. And, you know, we'll check you guys out next week. We will have holiday content for you guys. So don't worry when your uncle tries to tell you that actually... Um, you know, Gabard is is the, the best candidate in the field. <laughs> you can just yeah, yeah, you can just um you can just pop in some some counter Dings content, some TMBS content, and you know, maybe take a walk or something.
1: That's right. All right, guys. Thank you to Rob, thank you to Jade, thanks to everybody in all the communities. We'll see you soon. All right, thanks, guys. That was awesome. All right, lady, y'all.